0: You're listening to the Mormon Theories Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Hinckley. Hey guys, I have always loved science and learning about the creation, so the conversation I had with my guest Jeremy Mitchell was a real pleasure. Jeremy helps run the Facebook page called The Truth About Creation for Latter-day Saints, and he has a theory about dinosaurs being younger, on Noah's Ark, in the scriptures, and even on Earth still today. This was a fascinating discussion, and it was so fun getting to know Jeremy and getting to talk with him, so I think you'll like listening to this one. Please know that the views of my guests on the podcast do not necessarily reflect my own beliefs or the official doctrine of any denomination, including the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And with that, enjoy the show. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going?
1: That's great. Thank you for having me. That's yeah, exciting.
0: Welcome, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Um, I would love for you to introduce yourself a little bit and kind of tell us how you got into researching the creation.
1: Yeah, thank you. I uh, was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, actually, Sandy. Um, And I'm now married with three kids of my own in South Jordan, Utah, and have one on the way. Oh, congratulations. Uh, Thanks. We're excited about that. And um, with the two, my two oldest, or first of all, I guess with work, I just, Kind of a little bit more background on me as I've been in real estate for about 12 years, kind of did the family thing. Me and my brother partnered up and started a flipping business. And it, went, it was good for us financially. And so I found that I had a little extra time um, when I was able to hire things out and hire employees. And so I like to travel and I like to explore new things. That's one of my hobbies. And with my boys, they found a huge liking and interest in dinosaurs. So we spend all our time going around looking at dinosaur bones. Um, They're ages six and four. So as you can imagine, any given day, I'm stepping on dinosaur toys at home (laughs) and screaming in pain. (laughs) Because they're all over the floor and they're everywhere. We have every kind of dinosaur you can imagine. Right. A dunk from a Dunkleosteus fish to a Tyrannosaurus Rex to a pterosaurs flying dinosaurs, and then the hybrids that have been um, modified through the Jurassic World movies. You know, yeah. I, my boys are obsessed with the hybrids, <laughs> the uh, Indominus Rex. I mean, I'm sure you you may have seen. Have you seen the Jurassic World movies?
0: I have. Yeah,
1: yeah. The Indominus Rex, and the, uh, is one of his favorites. So we have those everywhere, and so. I've become interested in, in this topic and kind of was researching. Actually, I do a lot of YouTube videos and I'm just a very curious person. Sometimes I'll ask people 30 questions and they're like, Are you a news reporter? And I'm <laughs> like, No, I'm just an inquisitive person. Yeah. And so I started to, my mom started to show me these videos about um, dinosaurs in the Bible. And growing up, I never knew like where the dinosaurs fit in the plan. My dad always said, Oh, maybe God created other worlds. Or, sorry, when he created our earth, maybe he brought pieces of other worlds together and brought the bones, maybe from other worlds, because mm-hmm. maybe the matter, maybe he just organized it and brought it together. And that was a theory I've heard many, many times now from mem- members of the church. The next reason was, or the next theory I hear is that there's, of her, periods of time that God uh, created the earth in longer periods of time. You know, maybe it wasn't uh, six days. Maybe it was six million years each period of time, a million years or whatever. I've heard that theory. So anyway, I would never had heard this theory before about um, the dinosaurs and the evidence of, of the dragons and how it all fit together and the flood of Noah. And I was just amazed. It just blew my mind. I don't know what it was it just blew my mind. I was wowed and I could not like contain it. I couldn't keep it to myself. I was showing it to everyone, telling everyone. And I'm naturally a pretty uh, outspoken person. So then I got on Facebook and I started finding groups. And first I was finding creation versus evolutionists and I would argue and, and have these debates and share things. And I, I was so excited about it. And then I met uh, Justin, and I wanted to have Justin on here instead of me, cause he is so w- more well-versed than I am. And um, I asked him, I said, do you want to do it? And he said, no, why don't you do it? He's an amazing uh, person. He honestly has helped me in this journey. He's like, uh, he helped me, strengthen me and kind of get me, um, he started the Facebook page and then he, he allowed me to be on it. So, um, I uh, uh, it's weird to say, but I really look up to him a lot and I, I, mean, I just met him on Facebook. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I've been trying to, to, to spread the word a little bit, um, about this. In, what I feel is a very important topic. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a long introduction, I guess.
0: Oh, that's great. Can you, what, what is the name of the Facebook page that you help run?
1: So it's truth about the creation for Latter-day Saints. Okay, It used to be called uh, Young Earth Creation for Latter-day Saints, but we we changed it to The Truth About Creation because um, people would say, oh, I know what you Young Earthers believe or something like that. There sometimes comes to be stigmas, right,
0: mm-hmm.
1: with certain things. So we wanted it to focus on the truth about the creation because um, it's such an important topic. Yeah. Um, Bruce R. McConkie said, um, I have a quote from him that's that I really love, um, I'm going to have to find it, but he, he said that the, we need to understand the creation. Um, I'll, I'll, I mean, if you think about it, the creation is really just fundamental to our belief, right? It's the very beginning, first thing that happened. Right. Um, let me just read that real quick, if that's okay. Yeah, for sure. He said, the Lord expects us to believe and understand the true doctrine of the creation, the creation of this earth, of man, and of all forms of life indeed as we shall see an understanding of the doctrine of creation is essential to salvation unless and until we gain a true view of the creation of, of all things we cannot hope to gain that fullness of eternal reward which otherwise would be ours and that was a long time ago bruce r McConkie's passed away now for some yeah. time
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but when ammon went in the book of mormon and he taught king lamoni after he asked him king lamoni asked him if he was the great spirit and he, he finally had a captive audience. Um, obviously he was in awe that he had cut off the arms of the Lamanites and, and now he was in front of him. He began to teach him the plan of salvation and he, and he began the creation. And, uh, that's, you know, a lot of times where we begin in teaching, uh, the gospel is we like to teach about the creation to those that, it, that don't know about it. You know, if we're teaching other Christians, you know, we te- talk about the restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, another another example real quick is uh, to, to show how important this is, because sometimes people will tell me this doesn't matter. My Even my dad will say that, Jeremy, this doesn't matter. <laughs> and I say, well, it doesn't matter to some. It really doesn't matter to some. The people that are reading their scriptures regularly and that are, Are praying regularly and studying the gospel it doesn't really doesn't matter to them but there's a lot of people that it does matter to um so i'll give this last example um is um nephi and lehi lehi sent his sons into jerusalem and they literally risked their lives to do what they did right to go back and to get the brass plates and it was a pretty important thing Uh, they gave all their gold they gave all their money, and then they were chased out by Laban. And I love what Lehi says, where he thanks the Lord, and he's just so grateful, and he begins to read in the plates, and he says, um, and he prophesies, because he he reads such amazing things. But the things that he has says mentioned specifically in there is the genealogy of their fathers, and it shows, teaches of Adam and Eve, and the creation. And so that they risk their lives to go back and get those records is pretty important. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Um, like what you were saying, it makes sense that um, we would start with the creation when teaching someone about the gospel, because I mean, we're here, we're at this, we're in this world, we're in this, on this planet. And um, how, how did it all get here? you know, it's a good question and I think it's a good place to start. So I agree with you.
1: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And, and people are becoming really confused about that. People believe that the earth is 4 billion years old or 2.4, whatever it is, it actually changes every couple years, (laughs) (laughs) the age of the earth. Someone did a, uh, anyway, someone did the math and they said the earth is getting older, uh, by like, a hundred, a million years, every 10 minutes, because it gets older and older. (laughs) Oh, really? <laughs> um, even though because scientists keep changing their theories on it and mm-hmm. and the fir- in the first place let's pretend you had an honest true and there are some great on, honest scientists out there there's a lot of them um the the problem is a lot of them just buy into the theory of evolution because um because they believe the evidence is overwhelming and if um and so but anyway let's pretend you have a, a good scientists out there and he's trying his 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 best to to teach truth he just can't because there's so much um there's so much evidence or so much so much support around that scientific community and they're really well funded i mean you're not going to get funded by any government organization you're not going to get any grants if you go and you say hey i want to show that the earth is young i want to show that dinosaurs lived with man You're not going to get any funding at all. So it's all self-funded. So, um, and there are, uh, um, I can't remember what I was going to say about good scientists, but there are some good ones out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the creation. Um, what can you tell us about the creation, how it happened and how long it took and stuff like that?
1: So interestingly enough, this is the topic I know the least about. (laughs) Um, I actually don't cover this in my presentation. It's about 217 PowerPoint slides, Uh and I almost cover this zero. Um, (laughs) I I think I have one or two slides about it Mm -hmm. because it's very, very, um, I, I, I don't know how long it took to create the earth, but I do know that I believe I'm taking the scriptures literally okay as often as i can so if god said he created the earth in six days hey there's one of my dinosaur lovers uh popping (laughs) up behind me cash he's four years old hey cash hi buddy what's your favorite dinosaur buddy Carnotaur. carnotaur he said his favorite's the carnotaur okay we're gonna do this and i'll come out later bud so I think it gets a little dangerous when we start to take the scriptures and say that they're all metaphor and all um, because I had someone post on my Facebook page and I can read you the direct quote. I have it here in my my presentation. He said, I believe that the story of Adam and Eve, I personally believe that the biblical account of Adam and Eve is just a story meant to provide a beginning place to explain the fall and set the stage for what, what followed. So we're getting a lot of people that are, starting to discount different stories like the f- flood wasn't real the whole earth couldn't have been flooded there's not enough water to flood the whole earth and so they start to say that this is just a story or a, a regional flood and we're starting to take science and try to try to shove it into the scriptures when when we do it the other way around and we take our scriptures and take them to the uh to the quarries where we're and we take them into science it's unbelievable the discoveries that are made when we literally understand first that God created the earth, He flooded the whole earth, and He created every animal in their spirit and element. And He told them to multiply in according to their own kind. Mm-hmm. He didn't say evolve, He said multiply according to your own kind. And so, but, lit- and, What else I found is I found a deeper appreciation for the world around me. I can look at a leaf and be in awe. I can look at a plant growing and say, this, God made this, this is amazing. We're watching, we were just doing the ultrasound for my, my baby. That's on the way. And this ultrasound tech was the best I've ever seen. She showed us the spinal cord where the blood flows, the ribs, the heart beating. It was beautiful. I was like, that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen on, in my life, mm-hmm. to see the ventricles of the heart pumping. I mean, it was to see the fingers, the face, the eyes all formed. And um, I said, there's no way that this anything like this evolved. I mean, the spinal cord is so incredible just running signals from your brain if i sit here and i move my finger it's i'm sending us my brain is sending a signal to my finger for my muscle to move my tendon which happens to move my finger exactly where i want if i want to touch this thing i look at something my brain sends a signal i have to move my finger this many inches over here to touch this thing i mean to to i mean how long would it take a man to program a robot to do something like that and he could program it to do it one time and it wouldn't duplicate it and anyway i could go on but it just is marvelous our bodies and our hands so um that's the blessing of understanding the creation and and people that i think god used evolution are short changing themselves in in that aspect of of really enjoying this earth and it, and and the awe-inspiring things we see Um, like a peacock feather is the most amazing thing. Some of the bird feathers we see some of the fish, their colors, and they have no purpose except to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and literally it says in the scriptures, like we're studying and come follow me right now in Moses, um, Moses chapter six says, everything testifies of me and glorifies me. Let me just pull that up real quick. I just have to read it. I just love it so much. Um because I just read it with my wife yesterday. So it's fresh on my mind, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's that's uh, as you can tell, I've gotten pretty passionate about this topic, huh?
0: <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I just um and and I don't think I'm not going to say that people can't have a testimony of God and still believe in evolution. There are people that do, I've talked to people, for example, at church and they're like, I believe the earth is millions of years old. Mm -hmm. And I believe the dinosaurs, you know, different theories, but they still are doing good, raising good families. And, um, but then there's other people I've watched. Uh, one guy shared an ex Mormon story where his wife was studying biology in college. And, and he, he in his video on YouTube, he shared dino- he showed a picture of a, a dinosaur skeleton and evolution and they left the church and now they don't know what they believe. it seemed like they were an atheists. Hmm. And so that's happening as well. And so that's why I say it does matter. Yeah, It's, hard, it's harder for me for, for me to find the scripture on my phone because I read it in my other scriptures. Um, oh, here it is. Behold, all things have their likeness, and all things are created and made to bear record of me. Both things which are temporal and things which are spiritual, things which are in the heavens above, and things which are on the earth, and things which are in the earth, and things which are under the earth, both above and beneath all things bear record of me. And so um, um I don't know, there's this is a side topic, but there's some books about people that have died and passed on and come back to life. And they've heard heard the rocks. They've like felt rocks, or it's kind of weird, but they like could could understand, go inside of that that uh like this one guy he went inside of a bench and he knew that the bench was made from a tree, but and and the the bench was happy to be to be the tree was happy to be made into a bench. It kind of it seems a little weird, but um, interesting. But, all, but it, it, it kind of makes sense when all things testify of God or all things point to his glory, Yeah. Um, yeah. because he is the creator. And so as the creator, they, they're, they're grateful to be created. Right.
0: Wow. That's interesting. So um, do you think that based, based on the scriptures, do you think that each of the creation days was 24 hours? Or do you think it could be longer or what do you think?
1: The old, So um, I guess I would answer that and say, is there any like scriptural evidence or doctrinal evidence that teaches us otherwise? Um, and I, I don't want to get into a ton of debates with people if I'm not really well prepared. And that's why I don't go into this topic and we're not debating here, of course. But, right. <laughs> um, so I, um, So the only scriptural evidence I know is that God said a thousand years to him is one day, or sorry, a thousand years to us is one day to God Mm -hmm. on the planet which he dwells, right? So that could give credence to the idea that it took him 6,000 years to create the earth. Um, But nowhere in scripture does it ever say millions anywhere or Mm -hmm. billions. Nowhere does it say that um and if you study a lot of people have studied the hebrew word for day Mm -hmm. uh, which is yom y-o-m and they've looked at it in other biblical you know they're looking at it when god mentions days in other scripture references and they say it's the same day 24-hour day other people will argue that there was no day yet because the sun wasn't even created so how do you... I, I saw that someone post that, some atheist trying to make a debate <laughs> recently. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but the thing is, Moses wrote the book, right? Moses was inspired uh, to, to write the book of Genesis, and so... Um, and, and he also wrote the book of Moses, or Joseph Smith uh, translated in, it, and so... Um, I I would say, once again, that I I would like to take the scriptures as literal as possible, unless there's something else really compelling otherwise. And radiometric dating is not compelling, it isn't, it's so far off. I mean, they are testing things and they're off all the time. And the the thing about the radiometric and carbon dating, carbon dating, first of all, only goes back about 50,000 years. Mm-hmm. they're what they're using for long-term dating is is radiometric dating um how can you honestly think and i'd love to trust it but how can you think there's any test that can tell us how old the rock is you know it's like you pick up a rock and you're like this rock here or this um and they're not even testing the rocks the not the rocks but the uh uranium and things they're not even testing them anymore because they've already made the decision that this layer is 200 million years old. The Cretaceous is is so old, these different layers. And so if they find a bone in the layer, they now label the bone that age. It's essentially become where it's like circular reasoning where you say, well, why is the dinosaur bone this old? Well, it's because it was found in this layer And why is the layer this old? Well, it's because the dinosaur bone, we, and, and and I can't explain it very well, but, uh, I read it in Robert's book, Robert Wright's book, uh, the token of the bow. Uh And he explains the circular reasoning very well. But
0: gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah. So, um, that, so I would say. I, I lean towards it was created in 24-hour periods. And the other question I would ask people is, is God capable of creating the Earth in six days, six literal Earth days? And you know, if they answer yes, I say, well, why? Why didn't He then? You know, the and and I think the only reason someone would think that He didn't do it in six literal days is because of the evolution that's being taught. And because of the old, old earth based on the theories that have been passed on and, and, and added upon and grown upon long before Darwin, actually, there's quite a few people that um, want to d- want to take this away from God. And if you study these lives, I read a book recently that studies the, the, the lives of Huxley and Darwin and some of these other, other guys. And why, what their lives were like and why they wanted to step away from God. They wanted to justify their lives a little bit, you know, so they the sins and things that they were doing, they, otherwise they would be, had to have been held accountable they'd feel guilty about, um, sorry. Yeah. That, okay. So I don't cover that 24 hour as much as, as some people.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Um, So speaking of the, like the radiocarbon dating, how old do you think the earth is now? I mean, obviously it could be 6,000 years plus, however much time has happened since the creation, but I guess I'm asking how much time do you think has happened since everything was created?
1: So, so I, um, I follow the, I I guess you could, we'll say that, say the term, young earth creation timeline. I believe that the earth is roughly what the Bible says it is. And that is, you know, give or take 6,000 years. Um, And, uh, but I I don't know entirely. I don't know how long Adam and Eve were in in the Garden of Eden. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no, really no record on that. Were Adam and Eve sitting around in the Garden of Eden for 10,000 years or 5,000 years or Five million years um, it seems wasteful to me to, that they would that they would have done something like that the scriptures yeah. don't tell us and and I'm okay not knowing um, you know Adam how long was Adam alone before Eve came along I mean it says in the scriptures that he named all of the animals before Eve uh, came hmm. so he had a pretty big job to name thousands and millions Tens of thousands of animals to name them. So, um, but he but he didn't have to garden or farm, or do much else. So I don't know the point in him uh, wasting time sitting around in, in the garden. Aside from that, once he once he left the garden, the timeline essentially starts for his age.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Death starts. Um, you know, I mean, before that, God created the earth from scratch. So, I mean, I I don't see any other gaps of time that we could fill in other than what the Bible tells us. And they give a really clear genealogy um, of the ages of everybody. So, I'd say 6,000 years. Yeah. Final answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Makes sense. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about dinosaurs then. I'm excited to hear uh what you what you found about dinosaurs i know that in a couple of days you have a presentation about this about dinosaurs in the scriptures um and i'd love to hear some of the things that you found what can you share with us about that
1: yeah i'm excited so quick quickly about the presentation is i did this a year ago because like i told you i was telling everybody i was so excited but Uh i didn't want to tell my friends and family because they were starting to think i was really weird (laughs) They're like, you know, they didn't want to really, and I couldn't, I realized I couldn't tell people in a sit down conversation. And I even told my, one of my really good friends, uh, like his wife and other people, I was like, and it started to get where they would argue with me. They're like, I believe in evolution and things like that. I was like, I don't want to argue that's that defeats the whole purpose. The purpose is to build faith and I don't want to argue with people. So I need to do it in a full presentation format where I can lay down the evidences and then they can decide at the end. And then then I don't have to say anything else. I said, Hey, I've, I've said my piece, I've showed you the evidence, pictures, videos, and now you decide, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I did that a year ago. I just, uh, I did Facebook ads and I invited random people. And then this year I wanted to do it with family and friends. So I've invited those on Facebook and personally, and we're meeting at Meridian title in Midvale. At six thirty PM on the twentieth of January, so um, pe- more people are invited. <laughs> first of all, I'm going to tell you that. So, um, so dinosaur bones are an interesting thing because um, because well, I'm trying to figure out where to start because there's so much. Um, let me start with with uh, with Behemoth in the Old Testament. Okay. Let me let me start with so. um, Behemoth is mentioned in the Old Testament, the Book of Job, and you know what is be, a behemoth? You know, people say behemoth is something that's huge, something that's large. It's an expression that we use sometimes. And Job, if you if you read chapters thirty-seven and eight, I think it starts in thirty-five, where the Lord is chastening Job. He's kind of humbling him. He's kind of like If you ever uh, had a dad take his teenager, set him down and say, son, who pays the bills around here? You know, you want to borrow a family car, you know who pays the bills. That's what God, in my mind, is doing to Job. He says to him, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Where were you, Job, when I created everything? And he goes on to does the same thing. Where were you when I created the lion, the raven, the goats, the wild ass, the unicorn, the peacock, the horse? So he lists all these animals, and then he lists behemoth. And we're like, well, what on earth is a behemoth, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah.
1: And it lists, um, it talks about his, his bones are like brass. He's the greatest and the chief. His tail moves like a cedar. He has a huge navel of, of his belly. He, this is just a massive animal, right? right. He lieth under the shady trees, lives in the swamps which actually once again goes into why if we use the scriptures we can learn more about dinosaurs because it explains the behavior where they live so some people said and some of the other uh, translations of the bible they have a lot of weird translations of the bible i I haven't read them all where they're like new english and modern and i don't know if they have one in hipster yet (laughs) but um some of them say in the footnotes that it's an elephant and it's a hippo because that's the biggest animal, land animal now on earth, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but we'll talk about living dinosaurs maybe if we have time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this one says its tail is like a cedar tree. And and if you look closely at an elephant trail, tail, it's quite a little, little dangly thing. Little, little, uh, or if a hippo tail or any of these tails, this is a cedar tree, a tree tail. I mean, this is... And he's he's the chief, and so he's a big big animal, <clears throat> and I believe that that is a sauropod dinosaur. So behemoth is the first thing, and then it, a, it,
0: sorry, a sauropod would be one of those long-necked dinosaurs, right?
1: Right, like a long-necked four four-legged um, brachiosaurus or a gotcha. diplodocus or something like that. Right, yeah. And then verse 41, he talks about a Leviathan that lives in the waters, boils the waters. He talks about his scales are shut up together and no spear can pierce it. Um, Talks about, this is interesting, talks about his kneesings, a light does shine. Um, And out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks. So out of his nostrils go smoke. (laughs) Um, as out of a seething pot or cauldron, his breath the coals. So we have a lot of legends of fire-breathing dragons, right? Right. And I've always wondered where do the, the legends of dragons come from. And I believe that 90% of legends originate have some truth behind them. For example, the Thunderbird, the Native American Thunderbird, there's a Ford car that's a Thunderbird. Um I believe there was a a real Thunderbird. And I believe it was a living pterodactyl or pterosaur flying around. Um, um, And and there's actually pictures online, just Google. I I hate to say Google, but just go search online for something like a living pterodactyl or something, or a killed pterodactyl. And there's a few pictures of of one in the Civil War time. There's a few guys hung them on a barn and there's about 20 people that say they're all hoaxes. And I I believe pro- they probably are a couple of them, but there's three or four of them. Maybe one of them was real. I don't know. <laughs> um, so anyway, it's interesting because, um, and I didn't want to get into the live dinosaur thing quickly, but um, there's a if you go to the Loch Ness Monster website, there's over 1,100 sightings of the Loch Ness Monster. Wow. And there's probably 950 of them are fake, right? <laughs> they heard a story. They went there and they saw a log a yeah. mile away. And they're like, oh, that's it. That's it. Or they saw a boat wake. But what if one of them was, was correct? What if one of them saw it out of the 1,100? just something to think about there's so so there's there's lake monster sightings in in 10 or 15 lakes around the world the Loch Ness one is one is the most popular there's uh lake memphrey gaga memphrey magog i think is what it's called in canada there's lake champlain called they call their their monster champ there's been they have a billboard right next to the lake that has uh i don't know if it's 150 sightings of it. They put the date and the name of the person that saw it in Lake Champlain near Vermont, I think. And, um, there's another one up, um, in Canada called Lake Okanagan. These are just off the top of my head. They call their monster. Oh, you've been there. Yeah. They call their monster Ogopogo. Have you heard of it?
0: No. Interesting. Okay.
1: I met a kid recently and he showed me videos of it Uh and um, he showed me four videos of this movement in the water, and something kind of there, and I couldn't see it very well. And then he told told me one time he saw its neck come up out of the water, but he didn't get a video of it. And I'm like, oh, it's uh, always the it's always when you get the good evidence. Yeah. There is one really good picture of the Lake Champlain monster. Let me show it to you. Um, it's called the Mancy photo. <clears throat> and it is uh they've interviewed her about it and one guy that interviewed her he said didn't a lot of people say you just saw a duck did you just see a duck and she said if it was a two pound duck (laughs) so if you can see here this is the picture she took yeah so you can see it's something turned and and she says it had extremely sensitive hearing she said it went underwater and then about a minute six like 30 seconds to a minute later she heard a boat but she didn't hear the boat first it heard it and went and went gone it was gone so it's she said i had very sensitive hearing extremely sensitive wow which is kind of interesting um this is a, a picture of her holding her picture and testifying or something that she um anyway let me um so anyway, there's also uh, now that we're on the topic, <laughs> you got me going.
0: That's good. Keep going. Uh,
1: there's uh, there's sightings. There's a lot of sightings. I mean, there's some interesting stuff out there. When we have a different perspective of the world. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things to be discovered when we don't believe uh, some of these theories. So um, they found footprints of a sauropod dinosaur in the Congo jungles. Um, ever since about 1910, and they call him Mokali and Mbembe. Let me just pull up my PowerPoint here. But if, you, um, if you've if you heard of the movie The Lost World, Jurassic Park? Yes. So that movie is based on a book of, uh, of some sightings in the Congo jungle. And then the movie was made, I think, in the 1930s or 40s called The Lost World about a dinosaur. Um, and it's all based on on the local pygmies talking about this creature in the congo jungle that they've seen and it's it's broken their boats it's even killed people they know what plant it eats they know that when there's no hippos and crocodiles that that's usually where it lives um, there's this guy here who's gone over multiple times he's a french man and he's gotten pictures of the footprints in the sand wow. And um, he, and for whatever reason, getting a picture of these things is ridiculous. <laughs> because they say that the flies and the, the swamp, it's miserable. Like yeah. even getting back into the area in, in this African jungle takes three days on a Jeep and you get stuck in the mud half the time on these horrible dirt roads. And then you have to get on a boat and go another day, 10 hours up, up river on this little wooden canoe. And there's no hotels or anything, you know, it's, right. and then once you're in there, there's swarms of mosquitoes and flies all over you. So it's pretty miserable is what I've been told getting in there. And then by the time you're in there, you know, you, you have to come home and go to work. But I've heard yeah. some interesting stories. I won't go into them all, um, about this place. I heard, I met a guy that heard, heard the noise that it makes. I met another guy that was on the canoe when the guide in the front saw it uh uh-huh. and by the time the canoe it's just it's it's kind of annoying to tell these stories because it's like why didn't you see it why didn't you get a picture of it <laughs> but he said by the time the canoe came through the forest because they were whatever the the two guides were in the front they were in the back the guide saw he said there it is there's its head and it was underwater but its head was sticking up and as soon as they got around. It was gone, underwater, whatever. Anyway, all these different stories. Um, so,
0: so I'm looking at this picture that you're showing. Is that so? That footprint's in the sand. It's not like a fossilized rock. Is that right?
1: That is definitely yeah. It's a fresh sand footprint. It's not fossilized. Gotcha. That's sandy, gravelly, and they say people say, "Well, it's an elephant. It's a hippo, or something." But there are elephants that live in the jungles there, jungle elephants, quite a few of them. Hmm. But the elef- elephants don't have a pokey uh, claw, so this one has like a claw on the front of it. It's oh, a three-toed.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And then plus there's the the locals. They know it's there and they're very afraid of it, even though it's a herbivore. They know that it eats the malumbo plant, which is a flower. And they've seen the vegetation gone where it eats really high up 15 18 feet up um but they, they the, the locals have a lot of superstition and they're afraid of it so they won't go near it but mm. and people people say well don't believe the locals i mean we i mean they don't say that but scientists kind of come out and they're like oh they're uneducated little pygmies out in the jungle but um you have to understand that the pygmies knew about a lot of animals long before scientists did. This one is here is called the okapi. It looks like a giraffe mixed with a zebra. It's like a yeah. short giraffe with stripes on its back. The scientists didn't believe it existed. Um, and I think it was in 1905, someone finally brought home a cape of it, and then they believed them. Because they kept telling them, there's a, we have a giraffe here that looks like a zebra, and the scientists didn't believe them. The, the other one was the jungle gorillas. Um, they said we have hairy man-like animals in the jungle. Nobody believed them till 1901. They brought a skull out, and so I mean, there's scientific discoveries that are still taking place. Sometimes we think that we've discovered the whole world and we've figured it all out, but it's pretty interesting what could still be out there. The Congo jungle's massive. It's I mean, it's as big as Texas, and uh, very, very unexplored. So. Um that's like that's the uh living dinosaur. It I don't think it would prove disprove evolution per, per se, but um but people pe- the evolutionists might say, oh, they sort they somehow survived through extinction or something to that effect. I'm sure they'd come up with something, but um based on what I believe, it would very much disprove evolution. Um, here's a, here's a couple pictures of some, uh, giant pterodactyl like creatures that were killed and hung on a barn. Wow. Uh,
0: So you think, do you think these are real or you said some of them might be fakes? Do you think, what do you think about these ones?
1: So there's one, uh, Civil War one I didn't post here. It's, it's even bigger than these ones. Uh I mean, if you look, if you look at these guys here, this one on the barn, it's about, you know, eight feet wide wingspan. This one here is probably 10 or 12, based on the size of the men standing next to it. I mean, it's taking, what, five men to hold up two men on each wing and one yeah. guy in the middle to hold it up. Um, but I'm seeing veins in the wings. I'm seeing, um, no fur feathers or fur of any kind. Um, And I don't understand why someone would want to make a hoax and how they would make a hoax at this time period. Anyway, like maybe they got bored and it was fun. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not an expert on photography or things like that. All I know is that um, I believe that uh, there were dinosaurs and the dinosaurs were dragons um, in our time. And I can kind of go into that a little bit, but I'd like to talk about the flood. I think that was one of the things we were going to talk about was um why would there be dinosaurs how would they have survived this long and right um i mean i believe dinosaurs were essentially dragons because there's dragon legends in every country in the world from europe to south america asia africa i mean every and these continents back then were very very separated by distance and technology they didn't have it right Mm -hmm. and yet they all share a dragon legend and so um so really really interesting the dragons um uh let me just go into a few of the dragons saint george for example was a famous dragon slayer in um europe he has statues in cathedrals he has statues in town halls He's got murals all over. The, St. George is a very famous guy. I mean, he is. Um, because he slayed a dragon that was eating the people's sheep. Eating their... I mean, I think at one point they had to feed, it, feed... They were ready to feed the princess to her. And so there's quite a few dragon stories in Europe. Wow.
0: So do you think... Uh, so these legends of dragons are they? Do they always involve like fire-breathing dragons, or are they? Do some of the stories leave out the fire-breathing part?
1: Yeah. So the fire-breathing is an interesting thing because we just mentioned that one scripture that talked about something related to fire-breathing. Yeah. Um, do I believe that they came and they breathed out a big, huge flame like in the movies and could burn a house down? No, not really. Um, I believe there's definitely been some things twisted um, in time, but there is, um, I mean, there are some very venomous and poisonous snakes, and even the Komodo dragon has extremely, his saliva is venomous. Um, I don't know if it's because of that, or if it's because they actually could shoot out some sort of acid out of their mouth. We know that if you watch the first Jurassic Park, the Dilophosaurus, he has those frills that come out, you know, and he goes... And he kind of hisses and he shoots out this acid at the guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it blinds him.
0: That part terrified me as a kid.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we know that we know that they had some capability. If you look at a paralophus, parasolophis, it had this huge horn above its head. And the scientists believe it was full of air and it made it so it could make a really loud noise to call for safety or whatever. Um Sometimes I think it could have potentially had some sort of a, maybe it was a defense mechanism. Maybe it was filled with some sort of an acid and it spit it out. You know, um, there's a beetle called the bombardier beetle. Um, It's still around and it blows a fiery acid. It mixes two chemicals out and it will spray it at at an enemy when it's under attack, kind of like a skunk, right? Mm -hmm. A, A skunk sprays out a nasty, nasty smell, but somehow a skunk can live around it. Um, but the bombardier beetle, they estimate that the temperature of its spray, it's an acid, but it, it, it comes out to be over 200 and something degrees, oh, you know, it, it'll really burn, burn you. So what were they capable of? What were these serpents capable of? I don't know. Um, but I, I don't think that they breathe fire, uh, real fire okay. in my, okay. in my opinion, I think it might've been some sort of a, um, acid or. Some sort of a chemical, is my opinion.
0: That makes sense.
1: Um, And then it, obviously, legend gets passed on. And so here, uh, that picture was a Westminster Abbey, Stockholm Cathedral, statues of St. George. He was famous. Um, There's stories of Tristan who slayed the dragon um, in Sweden. There's so many dragon stories. Oh, my gosh, it's crazy. Krakow, Poland. There's a whole story about this this guy, this dragon living under the castle, he went and got his, put out a proclamation to see who was brave enough to slay this dragon because it was eating his sheep. And, um, you know, this poor little, poor peasant came and finally slayed the dragon and was gonna win the daughter. And so these, these amazing stories of castles and princesses have grown and developed, in dragons, I mean, if you think about the number of dragon movies and books we have to this day, it's unbelievable. Like who, who, how to train a dragon, I'm trying to find um, my thing here of a picture of all the stories and books we have of dragons in our day and age. And to think that these came out of thin air is, to me is ridiculous. There's a, a scientist named, I think it was Carl Sagan, a big evolutionary scientist who wrote a book and I, I read part of it and it made me just wanna just, laugh or vomit or something i don't know he said that we the reason that we believe in dragons is because evolutionarily when we were apes apes were afraid of three three things in the jungle they were afraid of snakes in the jungle they were afraid of panthers and they were afraid of um i'm trying to remember the third one oh things that fly like hawks or something and and so evolutionarily in our biology We've, we remember that. We're afraid of snakes. And now as humans, we're afraid of dragons because we put those three things together and created dragons in our mind that's passed on through us from apes, primates to humans. And that's why we have all these dragon legends. I'm like, can you come up with anything more ridiculous? <laughs> I, I, and then I watched another video of a guy in England who showed why we have dragon legends and he, lo- he showed a bunch of rocks he says he showed a tree he said this rock formation kind could kind of look like a dragon see this rock on the ground it could kind of look like a dragon see this um i don't know he he, did, he almost went to look at the clouds and say oh we dreamed of dragons from the clouds and i just i was amazed at what people will come up with and we're even going to spit outer space to the aliens to try to explain the pyramids because we can't explain how the pyramids were created on Earth because we believe that everyone before our civilizations, before the Bronze Age, were cavemen, and they weren't civilized enough to create pyramids. How could they have done it? And they're starting to say, did the aliens create the pyramids? It's just laughable to me. So, oh, that's why... So here's a, a dictionary from that said dragons are now rare. And I have this dictionary in my possession.
0: When was it published?
1: Everyone always asks that and it blows their mind. It was published in 1946. What? Where? So,
0: like who so published th- it?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a Webster. I don't oh. have it right next to me. I could, I'd have to go grab it and see it. I think it's a Webster's dictionary. Um. So here's a new one that I haven't shared with anyone. Um, and I'm kind of debating whether or not to share it because my uncle is over the temple department. He built, he's literally over building all the temples of the world. Wow. So he meets with the prophet every week. And, um, I mean this doesn't necessarily pertain to that to him per se, but, um, I I was talking to a friend one time about the dragons and dinosaurs and he said, did you know the Manti temple has some long neck dinosaurs in it on the mural, the creation mural?
0: Yeah.
1: I said, you're kidding me. And it was during the pandemic. So the temples were, I think, mostly closed at the time. But my dad happened to be going down for my nephew's endowment because he was going on a mission. And I said, dad, will you go look and tell me what you find? And he said, yeah, I'll go look for you. So he texts me and he said, there's four I can't remember, I have to read the text, but he said, there's three or four long necked dinosaurs and two pterodactyls. So recently they were remodeling the Manti temple. So I text my uncle, I'm like, Hey, are they going to save the murals? And I didn't know this, but there was a huge uh, group forming that said to save the murals. Everyone in Manti was, was forming this thing. They, and they, I don't, it was like a little thing. And I was like, I had to explain to my uncle, I'm not, I'm not a part of this group I'm just curious because I know there's some dinosaurs that are mentioned on there mm. I asked him is this on the mural and he said it is so but okay. uh-huh. uh, he doesn't necessarily agree with um, what I'm teaching I wouldn't say he disagrees but I don't think he knows yet the whole the whole thing um, no, no, no. but it's just so I mean there's a, so many stories about dragons. I could go on for like hours. Like, let me just, <laughs> let me try to do a couple of other dragons that are really, um, and the reason I, we talking about dragons is because dinosaurs I believe were dragons mm-hmm. and that they did live with man and they were around and we didn't know how to explain them because the word dinosaur is a new word. If you were to ask someone a thousand years ago, um, if, if, They had a computer or a cell iPhone. What would they say? Right. Uh, what
0: are you talking about?
1: What's a computer? Yeah. what's a camera? They wouldn't even know what a radio was. And so, um, the word dinosaur is also new. It was, it was coined in 1841. It's by, uh, sir, um, what's his name? It's just, it's a new word. Dinosaurs, um, shoot. I need to get get on my stuff here. Um, In 1841 is when they came up with the term terrible terrible lizard, right? Right. And and so if 500 years ago you had seen something that was a scary reptile that was living in a cave or whatnot or terrorizing the town, eating your sheep at night, uh, first of all, you're going to go and kill it as fast as you can, and you're going to er- eradicate these things back then. They didn't have animal rights activists. I don't believe, <laughs> and, you know, they were trying to survive and the farmers, yeah. you know, even today, farmers, if there's like something, a coyote or wolf taking out the sheep, they're going to go take it out. If the, if the deer are eating their corn, they're going to kill them. In Texas, they slaughter the hogs because they're eating all their corn. They have a hog problem. They're constantly out there shooting them. Um, So people are going to hunt down these dragons or dinosaurs. The people that kill them are going to be heroes. You know, there's going to be some that are big and some that are small. Um, We could get into the sizes of dragon dinosaurs, why the dinosaurs were so big. And I believe that they were smaller after the flood. People lived longer before the flood. They lived 900 years. And I believe... Reptiles would have also lived longer and reptiles never stopped growing for their entire lives. So, and there's other theories and other reasons why as well, the the dinosaurs that are fossilized would have been much larger than maybe the dinosaurs that lived with man after the flood. Um, And why they died off so quickly, um, because the climate would have changed, I believe, after the flood of Noah
0: okay so so you're saying that the dinosaurs so it's like take t-rex for example t-rex got so big uh because they were allowed to live long lives is that what you're saying
1: yeah that is one theory another okay. yeah that is that is an idea i have it, I, I mean i don't have a lot to back it up but i know that reptiles. Uh, live their whole lives there's another uh, some other information about the atmosphere and how it was different before the flood okay which is what there's got to be a reason why noah and methuselah could live you know over 900 years right there was something different on the earth in addition there was no rainbows before the flood of noah so we know that the something was different on the earth Gotcha. God introduced the rainbow. This book here called Dire Dragons Untold Secret of the Planet Earth. Uh, Dire Dragons is a a comparison side by side of dragons and dinosaurs. He draws uh, the dragons and and says this probably was this type of dinosaur. Then he draws a different dragon and says this was probably this type of dinosaur. Interesting. So there's a lot of people doing some research on it. And this one here, for example, this picture of this dragon slayer he's fighting this ferocious dragon with a long tail if it was to stand upright and it didn't have wings it looks very much like a tyrannosaurus a small t-rex or a raptor to me um so these drawings you know
0: yeah
1: and, and there's dragons all over the country so well, let's get into maybe or if you want um we can get into some of the you know what happened to the all the dinosaurs
0: yeah I am curious um where are they now? you know, like what happened to them or so I guess um if you look in a science textbook, they'd say that the dinosaurs went extinct with a, an asteroid right like sixty five million years ago um, and obviously we don't have t rex running around today, so what happened to to the dinosaurs.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, we talked a little bit about the flood and things. Um, and so there's a lot of evidence for a worldwide flood. And so I believe, uh, the dinosaurs and there's overwhelming evidence to show that they were buried in a flood. Um, cause how does an animal fossilize in the first place? Right. Um, Does it, if you go and hunt, shoot a deer, my family does a lot of deer hunting and elk hunting. If you shoot a deer in the mountains or a cow dies and you come back a thousand years later, will it be fossilized? And the answer is no, right? Like you'll come back, I've come back the year after I've seen dead, decaying deer many times and cows. So the fossilization process is where the minerals replace the bone. Um, But in order to avoid scavenging, These bones have to be preserved. And and in many of these cases, they are buried rapidly by sediment. So so there's huge, huge fossil finds in in Canada of over a thousand centrosaurs, all buried in one graveyard, massive graveyard together. And here it is, seven kilometers wide. With these center source. And so what it's interesting because you you look it up online and, and the scientists say, well, they were crossing this river and they all drowned and they all got fossilized in the bottom. But every time <clears throat> every time you look at how a dinosaur died, most of the time it says flood. Here's one that says this was fighting for its life in a flood the moments before it died. The animal might have fallen into a ditch or stumbled into boggy ground. Okay, on this one, here's a, a very well intact Ankylosaurus. And it says, until a flooded river swept it into the open sea. So they believe it died in the river, then it got swept out by a flood. And it, time and time again, you'll see that they were swiftly buried rapidly by sediment. Is it, and that's the only way, really, these things could get fossilized. Here's a... Here's another one, we're swiftly buried in mud due to violent shaking of their home. I mean, it's just amazing when you start looking at it through this perspective, how the the nuggets just start sticking out all over the place. Here's another scientist that said, as we brushed back the sediment, well-preserved white bones appeared. The skeletons still arranged as they had been in life, looked as if they had been resting peacefully for millions of years. (laughs) That funny part there. We guessed (laughs) that the creatures had been buried in minutes, perhaps by a flash flood of an ancient river. So here, fossilization here again, it's clear that dinosaurs' remains were rapidly buried before substantial scavenging could take place. There's another graveyard in China, huge dinosaur graveyard. They're here in Utah vernal (laughs) you live right next to one
0: i do yeah i've been there
1: yeah you've been there you've seen the wall of dinosaur bones and they're all mixed in together uh, carnivores and herbivores and i think the chimarasaurus is really big over there and maybe some allosaurus right yep and i asked the scientists there or the the rangers i said how did you know how did this happen you know i'm curious i this might have been before i knew about this actually and they said, oh, there was a river and all the bones floated down the river and they all gathered here. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, cool. And I kind of went on my way. Mm-hmm. Um, but but this is happening all over the world. and They're in the same mud layer. I mean, all the way from Canada down to southern Utah. I mean, this was a massive catastrophic event and the evidence is everywhere. And that's why I start laughing when I hear people talk about this Evolution. Anyway, here's another uh, fossilization uh, clip here. It says the chance an animal will become fossilized is one in a million. Oh. This m- number is meant to be figuratively. The point being that the odds of surviving the rig- rivers of deep time are extremely remote. Fossilization doesn't happen every day. It's not yeah. this common yeah. occurrence that happens when your dog dies and you bury him in the backyard. Right. right. And they say, they say, well, you need more time. I'll just give it more time. And to me, um, that's what Star Wars did. Star Wars said a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then they created any story they wanted, right? And if Mm -hmm. you say a long time ago that something happened, you can make up anything you want. Well, how did it happen? Well, it just took a really long time. It's, It's a fairy tale, if you ask me. So they were buried so rapidly that fish were buried with other fish in their mouths. Wow, they couldn't even have time to finish their dinner. <laughs> it, this was like a massive, massive worldwide catastrophe. And the evidence is ever here's yours in Bernal yeah. a picture, a picture of it. Here's one in China, a wall of bones. There's one in Madagascar. The, the, the guy in China said these dinosaurs might have lived along riverbanks and died during natural disasters. As the rivers bearing there remains slowly merged into larger lakes, the bones, it says here, gradually were preserved, but I crossed those words out. Bones were as fossils over millions of years. I crossed that out too, but because um, we believe a fossil can take a lot less time than maybe they think. In addition, these dinosaurs are buried, a lot of them, with the neck in a backward arch. And this is a suffocation. This is they're dying from drowning, essentially. They're choking for air. And this is time and time again, what we're finding. So let me go back real quick to a slide. I have and a a really interesting clip about um, the Hell Creek Formation in Montana, where they're also finding a lot of bones in Wyoming
0: okay yeah before you do that i just have a question
1: yeah
0: um so like like you were saying not every animal that dies will be fossilized they kind of have to be buried by sediment really quickly and and so when i when i first think of the flood usually i'm just thinking of like a ton of water but you're saying that the flood would have because it was so much water and so catastrophous, if that's a word, it, it wasn't just water. Catastrophic. Thank you. (laughs) Um, It wasn't just water. It would have been pushing dirt and mud around. Right. And so that's how they all got buried. Is that correct?
1: Right. So during this time, um, there was a lot going on in the earth. So Um, it says in the Bible that God opened up the fountains of the deep. So I don't know exactly what that means. And I don't know exactly what happened, but what I do know is that when Mount St. Helens erupted, it, it did immense amount of damage. It destroyed hundreds and hundreds of miles, square miles of forests in minutes. Because they had the pyroclastic flows of lava and, um, what they call, um, these massive bursts where it explodes. And so, as a matter of fact, Mount St. Helens laid down 45 layers, 45 feet of of layered sediments in two weeks. So these layers were laid down very rapidly. So that's, Mount St. Helens is a really good example of what can happen, what's possible um, to to bury things. Um, And so we could go into the layers of the earth Um, but we believe, and there may have been some plate tectonics and the earth may have been moving underneath the floodwaters. Um, I like to think of it kind of like a bathtub. Things were swishing around like crazy. I mean, it was not a fun ride on Noah's Ark. I don't believe, I think it was, it was quite a, quite a ride. Uh,
2: Um,
1: and so what it was doing was it was causing as the floodwaters were rising, it was it was causing these flows to come up onto the land and the dinosaurs were congregating and uh, essentially running from these floods floodwaters once they got to high ground eventually something hot, whether it was tsunamis massive tsunamis and finally pushing the sediments up burying them and uh when the waters receded the sediments remained and there was not nothing left to scavenge um is the way i picture it happening and that's the way uh, creation scientists there are creation scientists who study this sort of thing uh believe it happened um but of course we don't know everything even but the interesting thing is even with the k2 extinction event that the scientists uh, secular scientists tout and believe is what happened uh the asteroid that hit off of the yucatan peninsula even that shows flood waters from when the asteroid hit it caused the water to spread all over so um, it's very interesting but we know in the book of mormon in third nephi that cities were buried some cities were sunk in the ocean other cities a mountain came up in its stead so we know that it's possible to have these massive events um but the scientists like to think that the earth has been doing this like slow thing for millions of years and nothing changes but really slowly. And and the plate tectonics move at an inch a time, an inch a year, or whatever. And that's what they're doing right now. And we know that we can observe that. Scientists, science has to be observable, testable, and provable. So I agree with scientists now that say that our plate tectonics are moving an inch a year. I absolutely agree because they can see that. But when they start going to into the future or into the past and trying to predict the future or tell us what happened in the past, that's when they have to make assumptions and guesses. And that's when I have a pickle to pick with those scientists.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's hard. It's hard to observe the past. So that makes sense.
1: Very hard. Yeah. And here, here, it is. here's my little about science and science that has to be observable. I, I forgot one that has to be repeatable and falsifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, really, it's really exciting when you start to, to see what's, what happened on the earth and to see, and when you read it in the scriptures, because in the Book of Mormon, it even says that the, the land of promise was the promised land since the time the flood waters were lifted off of it. And you're like oh that's really interesting you know does that mean that the earth was moving around the plate tectonics were going on during while noah was floating on the surface you know maybe it does and maybe it separated america at that time and maybe it was all one massive continent at the beginning Hmm. so it just makes you think but um but there is evidence in the scriptures for these things and that's what's exciting to me yeah um Good question. I did want to share real quick and go back to share one thing that I think is really important, and that is the Hell Creek Formation in Montana, because uh, this is a topic we haven't even brought up. But uh, the the paleontologist is the most famous paleontologist I would say in the world because he consulted on the Jurassic Park movies. Um, he's just really really famous, and he's kind of a funny guy. He he went on uh. A TED talk, and he said that dinosaurs, he wants to make his own chickenosaurus. <laughs> um, and I'm actually forgetting his name, which is pretty funny, but because in all the information I'm spouting out, but I think it's he's Jack been, Horner. Uh, Jack Horner, thank you. Yeah. Jack Horner. So his, uh, his assistant at the time, and now she, she's a full fledged paleontologist, is Dr. Schweitzer, but they found the Hell Creek Formation in Montana. And he said, All the Hell Creek bones smell. They smell of death. <laughs> and um, in Madagascar, they have a huge bone find or quarry where they find the bones and they're light and white, like a cow bone almost. And they're, they talk as if they're not even fossilized, which is really interesting. So the, these bones in Montana, they had to cut the bone to transport it. And she took a slice of it and she soaked it in acid for two weeks. After two weeks, she stuck it under a microscope and she saw some red round things. Have you heard of this before?
0: I have, but I don't know a ton about it. So I'm excited.
1: So she, um, can I play the video? We probably don't have time, but, um, there's a 60-minute episode on it.
0: Okay. Looks like it's like two minutes long. You could play it.
1: Okay. It so, <laughs> yeah, this is really interesting. She finds, and I say red, brown things because at first they don't want to say what it is. Right. And and because they're so astounded because at, based on evolution, based on their, their paradigm and their worldview, and I would say their science, the Earth is millions and billions of years old. There cannot possibly be blood cells soft tissue or anything in these bones it's been too long Mm -hmm. it's impossible and you'll hear her say that i'm just prefacing the video you'll hear her say that in the video this is impossible so i just have to just give toot my horn real quick and say that that's what the problem in science with this this theory
2: what happened next happened by mistake Mary put some fragments of the bone in acid to dissolve away the outermost layer of mineral, but the acid worked too fast and all the mineral dissolved away. Being a fossil, there should have been nothing left, but there was, and it was elastic, like living tissue. This is the piece. (gasps) No. She showed us video she took under the microscope. That's really what happened? Yes. That's the dinosaur bone? Without mineral now. That's what was left. It looked like the soft tissue she would have expected to find if it had been modern bone. This was impossible.
1: So since obviously it's a video and everyone can't see, I'll just say they're pulling on a microscope with tweezers and this is like a rubbery, soft, squishy. I mean, they're pulling on it, right? And it's going back to its form. So kind of interesting. That's crazy. They're just amazing, I'll keep playing.
2: This bone was 68 million years old. So you see this, and you think, what? You see, I didn't you want say, to tell anybody. <laughs> that you'd be ridiculed, yes. right? And so I, I said to my technician, OK, do it again. I don't believe it. And yet, in sample after sample, they were there, things that look suspiciously like flexible, transparent blood vessels. She finally mustered the courage to tell Jack.
0: She said she dissolved the bone away and there were blood vessels. And, you know, I was like shocked.
2: I mean, how could that be? How could that be? That's right. The things Mary was finding inside dinosaur bones look at that blood vessels and even what seemed to be intact cells pose a radical challenge to the existing rules of science that organic material can't possibly survive even a million years, let alone 68 million. Mary, Jack, and their team published their B-Rex findings in a series of papers in the journal Science and were promptly attacked. Critics said their samples might have been contaminated or that the supposed blood vessels were actually something called biofilm, a type of slime. But as Mary showed us, she's been able to replicate her findings. These are pieces of an even older dinosaur, a well-preserved 80-million-year-old duckbill when she dissolved it away in acid. Let's put this under the scope here. Well, look. Is that a blood vessel? This is a blood vessel. You see the branches right there? And look at all of them. And it's so consistent over and over and over again. We do this bone and it comes out and I get excited every time. I can't help it. I mean, 80 million years old. Mary published her new results last year. And while some of her critics have been swayed, the controversy still rages and the stakes are high. If blood vessels can survive 80 million years, what about DNA?
1: So it just makes me laugh when they say 80 million years old. Isn't that amazing? Right? I mean, when, from my paradigm, I think it's ridiculous. They, they don't catch on and say, maybe it's not 80 million years old. Did we do something wrong? Could we check the? But they don't even think of checking their paradigm or checking the other science. And, and it was interesting. I don't know. What did you think? I, I What were your thoughts on that?
0: <laughs> it's just crazy. To, <clears throat> sorry. It's just crazy to think that, you know, they, they were squeezing, they were taking those tweezers and squeezing this little thing and it was soft and pliable and that that came from a, from a dinosaur fossil. That's, I mean, they're rocks. I mean, or they're supposed to be right.
1: So a a fossil is a rock, right? Yeah. And so um, it's interesting because she said uh, she was afraid to tell other people and that they were ridiculed by the other scientists. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I would ask, why were they afraid and why, why were they ridiculed? And, um, you know, this, this is important to think about because and people, people always ask me this. They say, "How how is it possible that?" Um, they say, "How is it possible that all these scientists could be either lying about it or could be wrong?" And I, and you have to realize that to be a paleontologist, you're all going to the same schools. You're all going through the same internships. There's not that many jobs out there. And they all have the same paradigm. And if you have a different paradigm, you're not getting the job. And so people think, and so, and and they've written journals and they get funding on this sort of stuff. And so is it some big conspiracy? You know, I think 90, 80% of them, maybe 75, I'm just throwing numbers out there. I think the majority of them are not in a conspiracy at all. But I think that a lot of, there are a few out there that are hell-bent. No pun intended, on protecting <laughs> their anti God beliefs. And so, um, and they will ridicule it and they will attack it. And, and, and it was. And it's interesting to see what humans do when they get an idea that is new and that they can't understand. In the scriptures, what they did was they killed people who came, prophets who came and told them, you're doing things the wrong way, you need to repent people get so angry and they will they will kill them and stone the prophets right and so um, it's just to me psychology has been interesting to me in my life as well and so it's interesting to see the psychology behind this and how people have a hard time grasping this new idea that they've heard their whole life so um, There's so much more I could show you, man. I got so many uh, slides. I've got dinosaur foot or footprints of man walking with dinosaurs. Wow.
0: Uh,
1: I've got dinosaurs, long neck dinosaurs on pottery, on cliff walls. I'm not sharing my screen, huh? Right. Uh, On cliff walls. I've, I've been to one of these dinosaurs on a cliff wall. I climbed up 12 feet, almost broke my neck.
0: That one's in Utah, huh?
1: This one's in Southern Utah. Wow. Here's long necks on ancient Egyptian pottery. I mean, there's so much, here's a interesting looking creature in Cambodia. Mm. Um, there's a, there was a, a Chinese Marco Polo and Alexander the great were, were great explorers and Alexander the great traveled the world. And he talks about in his, in his travels where his soldiers had to fight a dragon. Um, I don't know why I'm going back to dragons, but real quick, Marco Polo, he uh, is famous for his book, Traveling to China. And in China, he he talks about the um, the emperor of China was training dragons to pull his chariots. And he also had a job that in the royal palace was a dragon feeder. So kind of interesting well, cool. stuff um, that, that kind of gets subverted and hidden over time, but ultimately, um, the dinosaurs, you know, died out. Some of them would have been taken on Noah's Ark. A lot of them were died in the flood with a lot of the other animals. Obviously Noah took two by two. We love Noah's Ark. Our kids, we have a few Noah's Ark toys at home.
0: So, uh, um, the dinosaurs on the Ark, I guess they would have had to been pretty small to fit, right?
1: That's a good question. Like, how do you get a brachiosaurus on an arc, right? Yeah, Uh, that's funny. So I actually have a joke, a a joke about that one. Um, Picture that I need to put on, but um, of someone trying to shove a brachiosaurus onto an arc (laughs) because they're huge. I mean, those things were, you know, 60 tons, 100 feet long. Yeah, there's no way you could fit one of those on. Right. But if you actually look at a dinosaur egg, the average dinosaur egg wasn't much bigger than an ostrich egg as a matter of fact, most of them are smaller. They mm-hmm. still have fossilized triceratops eggs I can hold in my hand. Um, so what I what what I think Noah did, and, and that's what a lot of people say is the argument against Noah is they say, there's no way he could have fit all the animals on earth on a boat, that's impossible. And, um, and it's interesting because the theory of evolution has a lot of impossibilities too. Like that everything evolved from a single cell organism and somehow got more DNA information into it. Like at first it didn't have any DNA information for an eyeball or an ear, but then all of a sudden one day it popped up in here because it said, I want to hear something. Like some amoeba or some frog or, or salamander said, I want to hear, I want to, I want to grow a leg. And it's like well, it was doing just fine in the, as a pond scum, tell me why at some point it needed a leg. So anyway, this, they, they come up with all these ev- evolutionary impossibilities and they say, well, Noah couldn't have fit all those animals on the ark, that's impossible. And it's like, well, it's not quite impossible because um, if I was Noah, I would have taken uh, a baby anim- baby animals on the ark. I wouldn't have taken a full-size elephant. Those things are huge. They eat a lot, they poop a lot. Oh, I would take a baby elephant, and I would take I would take a baby dinosaur, and I would take a you know maybe the eggs, maybe um, you, you know you don't have to carry as much food, and then again Noah wasn't taking a Shih Tzu poodle, and a um, a mastiff on on the ark, and uh, um, you know all the, what are all the breeds of chihuahua, all the breeds of dogs we have, we those breeds are brand new. The Shih Tzu poodle is something we've bred in the last hundred years or less. Uh-huh. And so, so he took, he might have taken two or two dog kinds and maybe two of, of different kinds. He didn't have to take all the deer. And maybe he took two deer. And maybe they over a thousand years they've bred and interbred into different different species of the same kind. You know, they're still deer, but they have a little bit different antlers. And once again, evolutionists say, that's crazy to think that they all came from different animals. It's like, well, you think that all the animals came from a, a worm, <laughs> which is more crazy. And so, like, Noah didn't have to take a thousand species of dogs, right? He, he took just a few different. Um, and and to me, it starts to make a lot of sense. And, and there's a lot of evidence for Noah's Ark. Have you heard where they think they found Noah's Ark?
0: I uh, don't think so.
1: So on Mount Ararat, which is where the Bible says it rested uh, on the mountains of Ararat. So Ron Wyatt is an amazing guy. He has found some incredible things. Um, but back in the 60s, they were scanning for nuclear missile silos in, in, uh, right around Russia, and they found this odd-shaped thing in the mountains. And they said, that is not, does not look man-made. What is that? And so they started studying it and they put it on 60 minutes and they had it in the news, but they came back and they said, no, it's not the same size as Noah's Ark because Noah's Ark was supposed to be 450 feet long. And this one they found was only 550. This one was too long. It was actually 515 feet long. And they said, oh, that's not it. But look at that thing. Doesn't that look like something man-made, something different?
0: Yeah, it does.
1: And then you're like, how did that form an earth? So anyway, they were using a cubit. We, we know that uh, in the Bible, he made it 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and I think 30 cubits tall. So what is a cubit? Right? A cubit is from your elbow to the tip of your fingers. And my cubit's about 19 inches long. I've measured it before. <laughs> but um, most... So they were looking for a cubit that was close to mine, about 19 and a half or something inches. And so they thought it was 450 feet. But then Ron, went and, Ron Wyatt went and researched uh, Moses, was the one who wrote the book of Genesis. And the royal Egyptian cubit at the time of Moses was 21 inches. And when they did the royal Egyptian cubit, it was exactly 515 feet. Oh, wow. And, and they measured the width was the same and the depth they can't do, the height, because it's mostly buried. So anyway, Ron Wyatt went out there and did a ton of research on it. He took and took uh, metal detectors all over this thing and found metal all in it. And he put a rock on every spot and made these yellow lines. And he was able to map out where he thinks the, the bulkheads and the walls and things were. And who would have ever thought that Noah used metal? Right? I always thought no, it was this old man. He just hammered pegs in. He wasn't very you know, very very good at making stuff back then but um, they found what they think are metal rivets, laminated wood. When they say pitch, he used a lot of pitch and tar. They, they can kind of see the tar oozing out of the side of the wood. They found so, these or go ahead.
0: I was just going to ask like what is, so it looks like the walls like there's some type of wall are those walls made out of wood or like what's the material there and where did they find the wood
1: so they they didn't find any wood I think they found a little bit of fossilized wood but this is mostly a dirt structure they did at the very end uh, carve away the dirt on the side walls and they did find shading of where they they would be a ribbed timber I, I, I may have a picture of that let me look I don't see a picture of that, but he did. Oh, there it is. Yeah. He see, you can see here where they shaved away the, finally the dirt and you can see these white vertical things. Yeah. The lines going up and down. Right. And then uh, they also found these rocks that were uh, down in the Valley and they had huge holes in them and they were about 9,000 pounds each and they had carvings all over them. And what they believe these were, they call them drogue stones, but they would, in the ancient days, they'd hang them under the boat to stabilize the boat. And they believe that Noah dropped these um, after he cut the ropes, after he was uh, about to, to go ashore at some point. So after lots and lots of research, the country of Turkey held a ceremony, built a little museum and made this officially the site of Noah's Ark. The government confirms that this is Noah's Ark. And today, if you go drive down the road, you'll see the road sign that says, turn here for News Ark in in Hungarian or Turkish, whatever they speak over there. Yeah. And um, I think that's pretty interesting. That is interesting. And as a matter of fact, there's also uh, more evidence for it. I, I won't get into it all, but there's like legends about it. There's people that there's a city called the city of eight because there were eight people on the ark Interesting. near there. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to learn that what the scriptures teach are true and that there's evidence for it. And um, I love that in the Book of Mormon, it also talks about dragons multiple times. And the, the Jaredites are fleeing from some massive serpents at one point. Um, another evidence of dragons um, it talks about the Lamanites fighting like dragons, and um, and then the, Jared, the 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 people the Jaredites in the Book of Ether were running from these serpents for a long time, and they uh, eventually the serpents hedge up their way that they could not pass. And I'm like, that seems like some pretty massive, scary creature that they could block them, um, and a, and not just a bunch of snakes potentially. Mm-hmm. So. Um gosh. I the last there is um dragons on the gates of Ishtar back in um there's so much about dragons I better stop. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's okay. been fun fun talking to you. Thanks for uh yeah. for lending me your ear and and listening as I ramble on about this crazy topic.
0: Oh no, it's been so interesting. Thank you for sharing. Um so I mentioned your presentation that you're going to give in a couple of days. And un- unfortunately the, this podcast won't publish until next week. So it'll be too late for anyone listening uh, to be able to attend your presentation, but do you think you'll do another one next year? Well, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, you know, there is a, a firm foundations conference in April and I'm hoping to, to present there. They talk about uh, book of Mormon locations Okay. Where they think the Book of Mormon took place, and they talk somewhat about this sort of thing. I'll I'll hope to maybe do a presentation in April, and I'm hoping also to create a YouTube video on this as well. So.
0: Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Be cool.
0: Fun. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jeremy, so much. It's been a pleasure. Good luck on your presentation. Um, I hope it goes well.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. It's been uh, really neat. It's it's neat to meet people like you that are really uh, open-minded and wanting to learn because I think that's what life is about.
0: Yeah, I love it. Thank you.